Today we continue a series that we started about a month ago. We paused last week because we had a guest speaker, and the series is called Seven, uh, Seven Fundamental Things That Every Christian Needs to Know. And there's really way more than seven fundamental things every Christian needs to know, but we're going to talk about seven. I just want you to understand that. Uh, So we've talked about the cross, the power of the cross, the forgiveness of the cross, the things that were accomplished by Jesus going to the cross. Um, And we did a couple weeks on that. Then uh, Pastor David uh, spoke on the power of the blood, which was a great message. And today I want to talk to you about uh, Christianity living from the inside out. It's really a, an aspect of the salvation that we, uh, that we inherited because of what Jesus Christ did for us. It's, there's, there's some powerful elements that we could never really scratch, fully scratch the surface of as it relates to all that God has done for us. And so I'm excited to bring this message to you today um, in this series called Seven. And I want to start off uh, in the Bible and we want to look at First Thessalonians. If you have a Bible in front of you, I'd encourage you to turn there. We'll also have uh, it up on the screen. And also, uh, if you have a smartphone, you could download the app or open the app. There'll be notes for uh, this message in there. In First Thessalonians, we're going to be in, in chapter 5, verse 23. It says this, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to just focus uh, or emphasize the back end of that verse. It says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see that? The, the Bible, through, Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is writing to the Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, the church is, and he identifies three parts of a person, spirit, soul, and body. Now many times we think of largely two parts, the body, because it's something that we, we see in the soul or aspects of our inner person uh, we, we think about the inner person as it relates to how we think, our personality, our conscience, um, things along those lines. Many people don't know that there is a spirit. There's a spirit in mankind. That's the way God made us. Now, I will say that, uh, so there's three parts that we see in this verse. And I will say that some theologians differ over their perspective on whether mankind is three parts or two parts. But let's, let's move forward with the concept of spirit. Functionally, there is a spirit. There is a spirit. Whether it's tied to the soul or not, that's the, that's the big question mark that theologians argue over. But the reality is what I want to talk to you about today is how Christians can live from the inside out. See, I've been around Christianity for a long time. I was a youth pastor for many years. My wife and I were youth pastors for many years. And we saw some really good stuff happen in youth ministry And then we also saw some things that disappointed us to some degree, you know. Uh, I was talking to my wife the other day, and one of the things that sort of stood out to me in that conversation was, as, as either youth leaders or youth pastors, we would see teenagers hit the high of highs in their spiritual journey. 
I mean, we would, you know, for example, we'd have a retreat, a conference, something happened on a Wednesday night, and we would see teenagers, I mean, just passionately in love with Jesus, just passionately in love with Jesus. And, and they were doing really, really good. But for whatever reason, two days later, they're at the bottom of bottoms. You know what I mean? Uh, they would just be like roller coasters, emotionally, uh, spiritually. They'd go through junk. We'd take them away for a weekend, and, you know, they would, they would be at the altar weeping, crying, snot flying, you know, all that stuff. And, uh, but by the time they get home and two days later, they've got their, their best friend disowning them. They've got issues with their parents. Their brother stole something, you know. And all of a sudden, this high, the spiritual uh, climax that they had is now some, it's down in the mud somewhere. And it was confusing to see for a very long time. It was, it was frustrating, too, because you want... Uh, you know, we would expect and hope that they would just stay on that spiritual mountain and just keep going that way, you know, and, uh, you know, everything was going well, but it just didn't happen that way. And I've discovered that uh, even as I studied the things that we're going to talk about today, that there's a lot of things playing into how we're doing spiritually. And back to the verse Without, uh, we don't need to quote it again, but Paul identifies spirit, soul, and body. And what, uh, my explanation for what those teens experienced was they had an emotional experience. Perhaps they had a spiritual experience. Uh, they really liked what they experienced, but there was, there was nothing that ultimately changed them and maintained that change in their lives. Uh, you know, when we talk about spirit, soul, and body, our body, we, I have actually a diagram that we could put up, I think. Our body is the thing that interacts with the world. So man is comprised of three elements, according to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Uh, you know, our body deals with the senses, the, the seeing, the touching, the feeling, the hearing, the tasting. Our body interacts with the world and the senses that God has given us. Um, you know, and our, our soul is the inner person. It's the person that feels emotions. You know, we have fears, we have disappointments, we have struggles, we have doubts, and all of those sort of reside in the soul of mankind. But the one thing that a lot of people don't talk about is the spirit. The spirit is the thing that interacts with God. Why is that? Uh, John, the book of John, there's a verse I'll just show you real quick. The book of John, verse 4, excuse me, chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus is speaking to the woman in Samaria at the well. And he, say, he makes this statement. He says, God is spirit. You see that? God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship, worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the, the primary access that God has to us is through our spirits, because he is spirit. And so um, I've come to know, I, I believe this, because we don't, we don't really think a lot about our spirits and the spirit of mankind. But uh, this is what I've come to know and believe, that uh, I am a spirit being. My spirit is alive to Jesus Christ because of Jesus Christ. Our spirits are alive. There's life there. You know, prior to interacting or uh, 
coming to the knowledge of what Jesus Christ has done and surrendering my life to him, uh, you know, we see several times, Ephesians, Colossians, various places, it says you were dead. You were dead in your sins and trespasses. You ever read that? But now you have been made alive. There's life, and that life comes in various forms, which we'll talk about. Um, But we were dead. So we are spirit beings. We have a soul, and we live in a body. Pastor Roger, I like how he always, he always puts it. It's this, this tent, this spiritual, or this, this physical tent. He actually says it another way, which I forgot how he says it. Earth suit, that's what he says. It's our earth suit. It's temporary. These things, this is going to pass away. Our spirit will live forever, right? We're going to get a new body someday. But this one is going to pass away. And yet we live our lives so much based upon our senses, the, thing, the things that we could see, feel, hear, touch, taste, and on our, mo- our emotions, our, our soulish stuff. We live our lives, we walk through life so much based upon the things that we can feel and experience. And most of the time, we have no idea what's going on in our spirit. Just let's be honest. No clue, no idea whatsoever. I can ask you how you're feeling today. You could tell me, man, it's hot in here. You know, uh, you could tell, tell me it's cold outside. You know, these are your, this is your body responding using the senses that God has given you. Someone smells around me. I don't know who it is. You, 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 you can tell me how things are going. I could tap you on the shoulder and you would immediately know. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to study you would immediately know someone's touching you. You know? See, see, we're very in tune with our five senses. But I could, you know, if I pinched you, you would know it. I, right? I could hurt you. And in the same way, not only putting our senses aside, I could hurt you with words without ever touching you. We're very in tune with our soul part. There's another graphic I'll put up there. Our soul is our, our mind, will, and emotions. You could add personality and conscience, but the aspects that make us who we are. We're very in tune with that. We could be happy one day and sad another day. We could be depressed. We could be excited. We know how our soul is doing, right? Are you with me so far? But if I ask you, how are you doing spiritually? How is your spirit? Uh, that's a little bit more complicated to describe. Why? Because our spirit is disconnected in many ways from our five senses and from our mind, will, and emotions. In many ways, there's a disconnect. Now, you know, if you're going to be splitting hairs, we could, we could uh, talk and discuss and, and argue about that. But it, as a norm, as a norm, our, our spirit man is, is separated from our emotions and our, our, our senses. But the spirit person within us, the spirit within us, is the thing that experiences the born-again experience. That's the thing that is made new. And we'll go on and talk about that. 
But everything that God does is in the, it starts in the spirit realm. Because God is spirit. It starts in the spirit realm. And going back to the teens and, and many, many Christians that I've known over the years, one of the problems we face is that we live more in the realm of our senses and our emotions than we do in the spirit realm. And so I want to talk about this today. I feel like these, these, this topic can profoundly change the way we live our lives before God. It can help mature us so that we know who we are and what God has done, and we can experience it in our lives. It's not a far-off, distant hope and promise. Uh, God has come to give us life and life to the full here and now on earth. You know what I mean? God, God has done some great things for us. And sometimes, and it's frustrating to see, it's frustrating even more so to experience it's like Christianity is like a grasping for that carrot that is dangling in front of us, but it's moving faster than we can, and we can never catch it. And that's never been the way it's supposed to be. And we've been called to walk in victory, be filled with hope and joy and peace. And so I think what, what I'm going to share with you can help us walk in that direction. In fact, um, this is going to be a, sort of a topic within the seven series that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. I just feel like God's leading us in that direction. And, and uh, so today's going to be the, the, the foundational biblical perspective. And then next week is going to be a little bit more of the practical. How do I do this perspective that, that I want us to look at and consider and talk about um, moving forward? So God looks at us and deals with us and interacts with us in the spirit. Oh, could we put that graphic up there one more time? I appreciate that so much. So uh, the spirit is our God awareness. We interact with God through our spirit. Um, our body is our world awareness. You know, the physical world, senses, things of that nature is where we interact um, with the world. And um, so... The spirit is hard for people to grasp, and what's going on in the spirit is hard um, for people to grasp because it can't be felt or discerned in the same way that our physical body and our soul, our, uh, our soul can be discerned. We know how we're feeling today inside our heart of hearts. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit more complicated um, to deal with. So let me show you another verse, and this may explain to some degree why that is. Why is it so hard to discern what's going on in my spirit? In John chapter 3, Jesus is speaking with Nicodemus. Nicodemus came to him at night, the Bible says, and, and, and talked about the miracles and the signs and wonders that Jesus was doing and saying, God must surely be with you because of these things that you're doing. It's amazing uh, to see this. And then uh, Jesus responds, I'm just trying to set up before I show the verse that I'm going to show. Jesus responds with, you know, unless a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then Nicodemus asked the, the question that every one of us would have asked. We look at him and thinking that was a foolish question, but the reality is if we're in his shoes, we would ask this question. How can a person be born again? Would he have to go back into the womb? And be born again? I mean, it made no sense. It was a concept that was foreign to him. And then we pick up this verse in verse 5. John chapter 3, verse 5. 
Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born, they are born of water and the spirit. Verse six says this, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And I want to just focus on that last statement very quickly. See, flesh and spirit are not the same things. In fact, they, know, they have no connectivity. They're, they're different. You cannot tell how your spirit is doing naturally. Naturally, you can tell how you're doing uh, in a physical sense through your senses, and you can tell how you're doing emotionally. Those are the natural things that we have to feel how we're doing. But in the spirit, we, we can't use those same tools, those same means to tell how we're doing spiritually. Does this make sense yet? Okay. I, I can repeat. I can say it another way if you want, but I, I want us to be very clear. I don't want to move past some of these, these, this thinking before we get it. So one third of you, listen to me now, one third of you is a complete mystery to, uh, to your physical senses. Do we get this? It's a complete mystery to your physical senses. So, uh, you know, you can't feel if you're saved. You can't feel if God is living in you. You can't feel if you're anointed. You can't feel if you have faith. There's a lot that we can't feel that is tied to our spirit man. You know, there's so much that we, we miss. So our, our physical senses are limited to our body and soul. Our spirit is different. It's separate. So you can't discern the spiritual realm by natural things or by looking at the physical. Yet we operate and walk through life so much in the physical, and we allow that to dominate how we think we're doing spiritually. Going back to the teenagers, you know, they had a good day. They, they encountered God. But I'll tell you what, two days later, they're not encountering God. They're having a bad day. And the world is caving in. God really doesn't love them in their minds. You know, God abandoned them. Why did we have such a good time? And then all of a sudden, all this chaos in our lives. God, where are you? What happened? What did I do wrong? Does that sound like instability to you? And a lot of us are insta- unstable in our Christian walk because we're looking at the physical and we're missing the reality of the spiritual. We miss the reality of the spiritual. So how do you know what's going on in your spirit? That's the question of the day. Well, Jesus gives us some clues. In John chapter 6, John 6, Verse 63, if you could turn there, I'll give you a second to do that. John 6, 63. It says, the Spirit gives life. This is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, or the Spirit, gives life. And you may notice that it's, it's capitalized there. The flesh counts for nothing. The words that I have spoken to you, look at this, they are full of the spirit and life. 
And so we can get, uh, we can derive from a statement like this that there's something good going on in the words that Jesus speaks, right? There's spirit, there's life there, there's good things happening there. There's something that happens when Jesus speaks, or we could even further it to say when the spirit of God is speaking, you know, when uh, the Bible we believe to be the inspired word of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by men that are led by the Holy Spirit. And so when we, when we think about the words that we read in this book, they are spirit and they are life. They're spirit and they're life. So, so how do we know what's going on in our spirit? Well, if we know what's go, being said in this word, we can get a pretty good indication of what's going on in our spirits. And let me show you another way, another, another way that the, the word of God shows us this. In James verse 1, that's near the back end of your Bible. You could turn there if you'd like. James verse 1, starting in verse 23, James is writing and he says this. He says, anyone who listens to the word, that is the word of God, but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. Just keep that in, in your mind for a second. Looks at his face in a mirror, and after looking at himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... And continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it. They will be blessed in what they do. James right now is comparing a natural mirror. A natural mirror can help us see some things about ourselves. You know? And I'm thankful that all of you looked in a natural mirror today. A natural mirror could tell us if our hair is out of place. We've got something in between our teeth. You know? Uh, we got something hanging from our nose. I'm just going to say it. I don't even want <laughs> You know, whatever, right? I mean, a natural mirror is very helpful to us from the good perspective. Also, a natural mirror, a mirror uh, shows us some things we don't like. Like, maybe we're upset about our weight, you know? Or maybe we're very proud of the way we look and we just, we just look at that. We gaze at ourselves in that mirror, you know? And like, yes, I knew you had it. A mirror, a mirror is a good tool for us. But the word here, James is comparing the word of God to a mirror. And as a mirror helps us see a reflection of ourselves, right? You don't literally see yourself. You see a reflection of yourself. You literally have never looked at yourself and looked yourself in the eye. You've seen a reflection of yourself, Right? But we trust that reflection, don't we? We trust what the mirror says. Like it or leave it, you know? We, we trust that what we're seeing is the real deal. And James here is saying, the word of God is like a mirror to your spirit. It is a reflection of who you are. We can look in a regular mirror and tell, see a reflection of what we look like, of who we are. As we pick up the word of God, the word of God is a reflection of who we are. 
Now, unfortunately, uh, we, we go more by, you know, our days and our life and our Christianity many times is more so dictated by how we feel, by the senses that we're experiencing, you know, the physical realm, the soulish realm. I'm having a good day, you know, or this didn't happen the way I prayed. I'm disappointed. God must not love me, you know. And, and so we're dictated by, our, we, our Christianity is dictated by how we feel more so than the reflection that we see in the word of God. Oh, we need to get a hold of this because this can revolutionize how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us. It can revolutionize things. It could change our whole perspective, of Christianity. And so James is saying that uh, the word is a spiritual mirror and we look in the mirror, we see the reflection of who God says we are, of what God says about us. That is the condition of our spirit man. That is the condition of our spirit man. We may not feel that way, but the word of God is reflecting what the reality is. Do you get this? Okay. So we're made up of, 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 of spirit, soul, and body. We're, we're told that in Thessalonians. We, and so we, we, we could see that our body and our soul are really largely guided by the things we feel. And the spirit is not guided by the things we feel. It's guided by the word of God. It's dictated by the reality of God's word and who he is and what he's done for us. Okay? Can you see that there's some... Division, dichotomy, this, there's this issue here between, within us, right? There's this battle within. Can you see that? So we need to discover what God has done. So I want to take you to a passage that's, you know, largely quoted. It's been, you know, uh, it's used a lot in a lot of ways. Paul writes to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to use 16 and 17. He says, so now on, or excuse me, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. What is just a beautiful verse about newness of life. You give your life to Jesus, you're in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. What really is new? That's the question of the day. Because, you know, if you're, if you're heavy, if you're heavy before you give your life to Jesus, is everything made new in that regard? <laughs> If you're super intelligent before you give your life to Jesus, does that change after you give your life to Jesus? There's a lot that remains the same. And we see the reality of this when Paul is writing to these various churches and people groups, and he's, he's trying to fix them, you know? Well, if they were born again, wouldn't they be fixed if everything was new? The Corinthians have their issues. There's, you know, other, other places. There's quarreling and fighting amongst each other. There's... There's adultery. There's all these issues going on that Paul is writing. What really is made new? Your spirit man is made new. The Bible says about our body, our physical body, it's waiting for the redemption. We are waiting for the redemption of our bodies. We're waiting for that. It says that in Romans. 
Our soul, you know, you look at your heart. Look at your attitude. Look at the struggles you have and the doubts you have and, you know, whatever else is going on in your heart. Your, your soul, soulish person, your mind, will, and emotions, your personality, that's not necessarily made new. God is working on that, right? So there's something that's made new. The only thing left is our spirit. This is what I believe. I mean, you may disagree with this, but this is what I believe. So, so when you get born again, your spirit becomes totally new. Your spirit becomes reborn. It comes alive in Christ. And there's so many benefits that come along with that. There's so many benefits that God has done that we really don't know most of them. Uh, so, so our spirit is born again. Let's look at uh, Ephesians 1 verse 3. This is just one of the benefits, but uh, it'll lead us into the next part that I want to talk about. So for us to know what our spirit is like, we need to look at the word of God. Look at what is said here. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Is there one blessing that God has made available that you don't have access to? There's not one the Bible says elsewhere, Peter writes, uh, you have everything you need to life and godliness. Amen. Everything. There's nothing left out. And so when we, but here's the problem. When we look at that and we look at our lives, we don't see that. We don't, we don't see that as... As a reality. See, the, the word of God tells us what took place in our spirit when we got saved. It was made new. There's, there's this connection, this amazing connection with God. The relationship between mankind and God was restored. Uh, life is given. Hope is given. Joy is given. I mean, all these amazing, amazing benefits. Now, we cannot feel or discern those things that have happened. That's why... A month later, two months later, two months, two years later, after someone gets saved, the, you know, the, the question they ask is, I, I really don't know if I am saved. You know? Why? Because they don't feel saved. Did you ever hear that question asked, like, or that statement made? I, I don't really know if I am saved. Well, how do you feel saved? I don't know how you feel saved. We've got to go on this thing called the word of God, the, the truth of God's word, faith in the fact that God said this, and I'm going to believe it. When we trust in our feelings, we miss the mark. We, we miss it. And, and because of that, it wrecks our Christianity. It wrecks, wrecks our confidence in who we are in Christ. It wrecks the confidence that we can be victorious. You know, it, it wrecks our, our ability to cling to promises because we are feeling, we're not feeling it. We don't feel it, and, and it's disappointing. <clears throat> so, so we've established that many times our life is, is dictated and our Christian walk is dictated by feelings without the awareness of what really is going on in our spirit man, spirit person, you know? We've established that. And so we've also talked about the fact that we've got to be people whose lives are led by looking in the mirror, the reflection 
of God's word. Right? Because, because I could say to you, you know, I could flip open my Bible and say, you know what? I am a joint heir with Christ. And you would say, how do you know that? I'm looking in the word of God. I'm looking at a reflection of myself. This reflection is telling me I'm a joint heir with Christ. Right? Uh, you know, I, I could say something like, I am forgiven of all of my sins. Jim, how do you know you're forgiven? I am looking at my reflection in this word. And it is telling me, it's showing me that I am clean. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This is who I am. It's not what I want to be. It's not what I aspire to be. It's who I am. And so we miss, we miss the promises. So uh, we, we miss the promises because we bank on feelings and emotions as opposed to looking at our reflection in the mirror of God's word. Now, this is the place that you could be like, man. I don't care who you are because I can look in there and say I am strengthened with all might I am a conqueror I am victorious that is who I am how do you know I am looking at my reflection in the mirror of God's word You put the word, word of God down and, you know, maybe you don't feel that way. The reality is your spirit man. The reality is not your physical body. And so how do we start living the kind of God life that God has called us to? How does that become real for us? Not a figment of our imagination, not just something we talk about. How do we live it? And Paul beautifully addresses that question in Romans 12, verse 2. Paul says this. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. That word conform is sort of like become a mold for. You know, you pour a mold into, I was talking to my wife, so she relates to baking. You know, in Christmas time, you make Santa cookies and uh, candy cane cookies and, and this and that cookies, you know. That is a mold. That is a mold. We've become, uh, we've become conformed to the world in many ways. He says, do not become the mold that uh, reflects the world. Do not become that. Don't, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. I wish I had more time to talk about that word transform. We get the English word metamorphosis out of it. And if you've ever heard the story of the butterfly and, uh, which, which transforms or metamorphosizes from a caterpillar, which is destructive to trees. It's a killing thing. It kills trees. Uh, it goes into a cocoon, and in that, the DNA becomes a liquid and totally changes in some forms of caterpillars. Their DNA literally changes, and it comes out as a butterfly, and that butterfly is no longer destructive, but it's a life-giving entity. It's a life-giving being. What a beautiful picture. He says, I want you to be totally changed. How can you be totally changed? By the renewing of your mind. And so our mind is one of the linchpins in being changed. It's, it's part of the soul, the mind, will, emotions. 
It's the thing that could keep us from being changed or the thing that can help us being changed. I want to show you uh, maybe the best way to do it is just show you. I've got so much more to talk about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Calm down there, killer. Uh, um, maybe there's, maybe there's, there's, there's so much I want to talk about. I'm very excited over these next few weeks. But I just want to show you one illustration before I close today. I want to invite uh, Joshua and Kevin. I've talked to them before. I got up here and I asked them, could you just be, uh, be an example to me? So uh, one of you guys will stand here on my right. One of you guys will stand on my left. And we're going to just sort of lock arms for a minute. So we've talked about body, soul, and spirit, or spirit, soul, body, right? So Joshua, you're going to represent the spirit. I'm going to represent the soul. Kevin is going to represent the body, Okay. And the soul, I want you to see the soul as sort of like the connecting piece. The soul is the connecting piece. And so, you know, there's, there's this tension. I talked about attention because the body wants to be led by um, um, the senses. The soul is sort of inspired by um, emotions. And the spirit has been made new by God. The spirit has been made new in that spirit. Uh, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Everything we need for life and godliness dwells right here. But the problem is it doesn't many times manifest itself over here in the body. And why? Because many times the, the, the flesh is leading us. The flesh is leading my soul. It's what I want. It's how I want. It's how I feel. It's the things. Did something happen? Oh, yeah. It, it's the things that we can feel that guide our lives. Yes. And so when this happens, when this happens, <laughs> here, let me go. One sec, one sec. When this happens, even though our spirit man has been made new, we are walking in the flesh. We are being led by the flesh. You know, there's not life there. There's death there, right? But when, come on now, when, this, when the spirit who is, you got to let this go now. Okay, but when the spirit who is alive and been made alive in Christ, the spirit that, is, that, is, uh, that leads my life, and you know, when I am connected to that, when my mind is renewed, and I begin to look into the perfect law that gives liberty. And I am convinced that what that word says is, is for me and about me and it reflects me. Then I am being led by the Spirit. The Bible says, here's an example. Here's an example. I may disconnect to either one of you, but it's going to be a surprise. So here's an example. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says, you know, Jesus says something like, um, my peace I give you. He's the prince of peace. He's given us peace. It's not that he has to give us peace. He's given us peace. Where is that peace? That peace resides right here in that spirit man that is connected to God. It's already there. He's given it to us. He's given it to us. But, but you know what? I, I, I'm worried. I'm anxious. I'm fearful. I'm concerned about what's going to happen or what's going on 
in my life. I'm not living, my body and my soul are not experiencing peace right now. Peace is here. Peace is living here. I begin to look in the, in the mirror, in the, in the reflection of God's word, and it says, but I've given you peace. You have my peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It is yours. You don't have to live in worry and anxiety and fear and concern. I begin to align or renew, allow the word to renew my mind and convince me of the reality of what God has done and what he's done for me, in me. Everything I need has been given to me for life and godliness. Then all of a sudden, my soul is aligned with the word of God. My spirit is leading my soul, which is then ultimately leading peace into my physical body. Come on. God's word is amazing. It is spirit and it is life. It's just not a bunch of words. It's not just history. It is something that can literally transform us. Thank you guys so much. It can literally transform who we are. We're going to talk about the practical sense next week. But today, listen, today I want to, I want to challenge you with all my heart. We need to be people of the word of God. As, as uh, you woke up this morning, perhaps took a shower, maybe brushed your teeth, you probably looked in the mirror. You probably looked in the mirror. You know? And you got an indication, a reflection of how you look today. The problem is many Christians don't look in the mirror of the Word of God. They don't see the reflection of the reality of who they are in Christ Jesus. And because of that, I mean, listen, how would you look physically if you didn't look in the mirror for an entire week? I mean, for some of us in this room, let's be honest, the only thing that we get, the only spirit food that we get is once a week, if we make it to church, right? I mean, you'd be looking pretty rough in the physical, your body, your, your hair, your whatever, would be looking pretty rough in the physical if we just decided once a week I'm going to get that, I'm going to take a glance at how I look. But that is the norm for so many in the spiritual realm. We need to be people of the Word of God. So I want to close by, uh, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. But today, I want to ask you to make a personal commitment to spend time in the Word of God. It is the thing that feeds your spirit man. When your spirit man is not fed, you starve and you begin to lean on your senses and your emotions and not the truth of God's word. That's why our life is so much a roller coaster. We miss the reality of what God has done. We're not living the abundant life that he has promised us because we're not being transformed in our minds. Amen? So I would just say, listen, how about, just raise your hand. I'm going to make a commitment to be in God's word more than I have been, whatever that looks like. I'm going to make a commitment to be in God's word more than I have been. And Father, I just thank you, God. Your promise says that their minds, each and every one of our minds will be transformed, renewed by being in your word and in your presence. Lord, I ask that you do it. I ask, God, that, Father, you take them deep, Lord, that you stir something, a hunger deep inside each and every person in this room. God, to be forever changed, to see who they really are in the reflection 
of God's word and how you see them, God. It doesn't have to be something that we're chasing after. It's, it's accepting the reality of what you've done. I bless you today. I bless your people. May they know your goodness, God. May they encounter it. May they walk in it all the days of their lives, Lord. We thank you right now in Jesus' mighty name. God bless you. We'll continue this next week.